Welcome to the Uplift Effect Podcast. I am Jill. I am the owner and CEO of the Uplift Effect Coaching and Consulting and this podcast, and I am thrilled to have you here. Just in case you think that the episodes just go smoothly, that I'm really good at interviewing people, because <laughs> I'm not really, and I totally botch up most of the introductions, matter of fact, refer back to the one with Jonna. She had to introduce herself, and I did no better here. Um, I could not get it all together. I don't know what the deal is. And so when people think, oh, podcasting, that's easy. You're just like talking into this microphone thing. <laughs> it is so not like that. Now, I have become a really good editor. I edit out at least 90 ands. Yep, that's right. I say the word and at least 100 times and I edit out 90 of them just because I want to be nice to you and not frustrate you. See, there it was again. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to just show you for a second, just for kicks and giggles, how this doesn't really go as easy as you think it might would be. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right, welcome to the Uplift Effect podcast. I am so glad to have you guys here today. And I am thrilled to death to introduce to you a very sweet, dear friend of mine, Nikki Espinosa. And she is um, the owner and CEO of Espinosa Coaching, goodness. And she is a career coach, a former healthcare executive turned career coach. And she helps women create, create careers. I don't know. I need to start all over again. Goodness. She helps women create successful careers that they love. How's that for an introduction, Nikki? <laughs> I think you did fabulous. People are going to remember that. <laughs> oh, gee, this is the part that I am terrible at. Thank goodness for editing options. So there you have it. That's what I'm talking about. It just is not as smooth as one would like to hope. But I would like to introduce to you today one of my dear friends, Nikki Espinosa. And she is the owner and CEO of Espinosa Coaching. She's a former healthcare executive turned career coach. And she helps women create successful careers that they love. And I really enjoy talking to her. She has got a story that I asked her specifically to come here to talk about. It's raw. It's not easy. And I want you to know, for some of you moms, this could be a little bit triggering. And I say that because there is nothing more vulnerable than being a parent, a mother. And there is also nothing like the pressure of being a working mom. Matter of fact, what about being one of the top executives of a very large healthcare team? You know, the C-suite, the people in the suits? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And what happens when one day, a ding from your text, from your phone, rocks your world, and now those two worlds, your home, your family, your children, and your job collide. And here's one more thing, just to top it all off. I know firsthand from men who report that behind closed doors of these executive director boards, 
that they are having conversations about whether they are willing to hire a woman because A, she may get pregnant and need to be on maternity leave, and B, she's more likely to take time and need time off work because if she has children, she's most likely gonna be the one to stay home to tend to her children. So you add that to the mix, and that makes for a very complicated dynamic to juggle. Okay, so back to Nikki and her story. How did she even end up in the career that she was in, being one of the top executives of a healthcare organization? How did she end up in a C-suite type of job? Well, here's the background to her story. It is kind of important to my story to know that, I mean, I was really ambitious as a young woman. Like, you know, I was, you know, the straight A student and, you know, just, I was the oldest of four kids, grew up in Minnesota. I like, you know, work ethic and <laughs> I was just going to get it all done. And um, so when I, I went to college and right out of high school and I went to school for business because I didn't know what I really wanted to do. And that seemed like I could get a job. That was the thing. <laughs> And my dad was just so damn proud that I was going to school. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to get to school. Yeah. Um, but you know, like a lot of women that age, I mean, I went to school when I was, I was 18 when I went off to college uh -huh. and I graduated from college at 21. So I, I was, it was like, boom, fast, get it done. I met my husband, um, during that time. And so I graduated, got married had the babies, you know, like, it, like living the life, We you know, owned a home by that time, you know, we were just, and I had, and my first job out of college was an HR manager, which was <laughs> ridiculous. Like I'm thinking back on going, I was so not qualified for that job. Um, but I figured it out and I did it. You told somebody. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, <laughs> they were like, she looks like she can get it done. So, um, and I did, and I did, um, uh, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, Yes, it was a lot of work, but I loved working and being a mom. Mm -hmm. And I was blessed because my, my mother-in-law did daycare. So they were with grandma during the day. Good. It was beautiful. Wow. Right. Um, and that's kind of how their first 10 years of their lives. Went. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And I, I, it progressed very quickly. I, I had different executive level roles. So so I, you know, I like to say I've been in corporate business until I opened my own business for, I was in corporate for 25 years and all of those, all of those years I had executive level leadership roles. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot, loved, loved, loved what I was doing. So as you see, Nikki, she's a big wig in this career and this executive team. She, I don't know if she had a picket fence, maybe they don't do that up in Minnesota, but she has the perfect little family and the white picket fence and everything on the outside looked wonderful. And you know what? It really was. She felt fulfilled in her job. She loved what she was doing. She enjoyed being a mom. Her marriage was wonderful. Her husband was in law enforcement and it was great. And then the kids began to get older and they reached a stage of their life where they had preteens and teenagers and things started to change. And you know how it is, it changes in one area of your life and kind of spills over into the others. Her kids were starting to do what looks like normal teenage things and they start to pull back a little bit. Her career starts to really slow down. 
And while that's kind of a normal stage to be in too, she finds herself in a situation where she's not as fulfilled as she once was. Her husband gets put on night shift. She wasn't seeing her husband a lot. She said literally she would see him sometimes two times a month. And things began little at a time to start unraveling and unraveling leads to falling apart. The biggest kind of core of where I spent my day being at work was really, really unfulfilling for me. Mm. And that ended up taking so much of my energy and my emotion. And then I started questioning this, this from a girl who never questioned herself, really, like there wasn't a ton of doubt with me. It was, if I did something wrong, it was like, I'm just going to learn from that and I'll do something better, you know, or do something different. Mm-hmm. Now I was all of a sudden in my, you know, at this point, mid to late thirties, mm-hmm. starting to go, do, maybe I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> the kids were starting to like, looking back, I would say go off the rails, but they, at that point they really weren't. It was just mm-hmm. normal teenage stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I didn't know what I was doing in anything. And all of a sudden this driven, confident young girl was now almost 40 and going, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I just, and it felt so overwhelming to just not just feel like I wasn't going to be, I wasn't good at this. Yeah. And then you start questioning, like, I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good executive or I'm not a good, whatever the job I had at the time. Mm. And then I was kind of, um, and I write about this a little bit, but kind of managing my kids, you know, yeah. instead of raising them. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I have, I was a project manager kind of core <laughs> skill set. They just need to get from A to B and they did. Yeah, they need to get fed project and they need to get <laughs> And I'll talk to them every day, like they're yeah. plants or something like it was. And, and that sounds terrible because I adore my children. Yes. yes. Um, but this was about the time too. this is stuff you don't even know about me, Jill. Okay. <laughs> this okay. is about the time too, where my husband and I, I mean, we, we weren't like on the verge of divorce or anything, but clearly living almost different lives. Well, they were living different lives. They weren't working on the same shifts. They were not seeing each other. And oh, by the way, they ended up in marriage counseling. And guess what? Newsflash, they don't parent the same way either. Ever had that? Which two parents ever do just come to the table naturally parenting the same way? But here's the other thing. They weren't even parenting the kids at the same time because they weren't actually living in the house at the same time. So you found yourself in this weird situation for the first time ever. You are now facing insecurities that you have never had before. You're questioning, uh, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Mm -hmm. I'm totally a fish out of water in my career, maybe, because this is not Mm -hmm. the way I've normally felt about my career. And Mm -hmm. actually, the weird thing is, it feels like that at home, too. (laughs) Yeah, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. And I was used to, I was used to in careers, I, I was just really confident. And I was, I was competent, too. I was like, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And, um, like, I was heavily recruited for jobs, all those things. 
the years that my kids were, were teenagers and I was going through some trauma at home, which we'll talk about. Uh I was also going through the worst time in my career. Uh You know, I was insecure. I was lacking, you know, I was doubtful all the time. And I, I was really dealing with some hostility and abusive kind of things at work. Yeah. So it was taking every ounce of my, you know, even being able to collaborate my teamwork, uh, navigating my emotional intelligence at work, mm-hmm. all of the things that it takes a lot of emotional energy to deal with. Right. So then what happened is at work at home, it's like, there was nothing left. I didn't have my, my tank wasn't full. And mm-hmm. so at home, it just felt like, it felt like things were just going through the motions. And I mean, anybody with teenagers knows too, it's busy, right? You, there's so many activities. Yeah. And what happened for us is it was really busy and it was just moving from one activity to the next. Mm-hmm. There was conversations in cars, you know, in the car between practices and things like that. Right. But it was so surface level. Mm. And some of that's teenagers too, right? You're not, sure. we were just talking about that. You don't get to that deeper level of conversation. So there's this thing that happens for career women when they are pulled in so many directions, when they are required to work a large number of hours, they're being drained at work, And what ends up happening is, is that they become emotionally unavailable for their family. Their relationships with their children suffer. They just go through the motions. Their marriage suffers because they just go through the motions. And I can remember this personally as well, where I felt like that my children were getting leftovers because my job was so demanding and required so much energy. And oh, by the way, when you work for a terrible boss, which is what she had, which is what I have also had, you do not become fulfilled in the the way you once were. So your job is draining you, home is draining you, the marriage is draining you, everybody needs something and all of it is draining you dry. But for me, yeah, I, I'm, I wanted that career, you know, mm-hmm. that that's a part of, of who I, I am and giving my, and I was always kind of a, I'm a servant leader. I was huh? helping other people and that gave me energy so that I would. So yes. even there were times when things got really tough where, um, um, well, we'll talk about that, but when things got really tough, I took time off of work. It was not good. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. was one time I took two months off of work just to focus on some things with Chris. Yeah. And yes, I was able to do that a little bit more. I was miserable. I needed something that filled my cup. So, yeah. So, so that I could really do the things I wanted to be do, able to do for, with him. Yes. So sure. I was, I was physically there but I wasn't still as emotionally there as I was when I started really being able to take care of my, my passions. Yes. So this is what's going on in Nikki's life. And on one particular day, she rushes out of the house because she has a huge executive board meeting. She finds herself sitting next to the boss that, oh, by the way, was one of the worst 
bosses she has ever had. He was a 30-year veteran and, as she describes him, was a bully. He had been protected in this organization for a very long time and was one of the worst leaders she had ever seen. And she notes she has seen a lot of terrible leaders. I'm sitting in this executive meeting and my son at the time was um, 17 and he was, he was sleeping. And I was like, you know, and we, this was a time like he was, he didn't have to be at school that morning um, early or anything. So it was like, why would I go in and I'm just going to let him go and, or I'm going to, you know, say hi later and rush off to work because this boss needed me in this meeting. (laughs) Yes, sure. Later in the morning, I'm sitting in this meeting next to the boss and my phone chirped. I looked at the text and it was from my son and it said something like, mom, I need help. And that was it. Like it, it wasn't descriptive, but my son, he's my youngest. Mm -hmm. My daughter was away at college. We'd already been through a few years of hard teenage times. I Mm -hmm. knew I, like they don't send that message, right? Right, right. But that message doesn't come if they can't find the macaroni and cheese. Well, there was something. There was something very, very wrong. And you remember at the beginning when I mentioned about a mother's worst fear, a text coming through that just rocks your world? But yet, unfortunately, it collides with your professional career. And you're sitting there in the moment trying to figure out what to do with a boss, oh, by the way, that was kind of like I mentioned earlier, that didn't particularly like women and was really ugly. There was this moment, like, almost like the world just stopped spinning and the air kind of sucked out of the room. And it probably was just a few seconds, but it felt like everything slowed down. And I, I was paralyzed. I didn't even move. I just looked at that text Mm. and I, I remember thinking the boss is sitting next to me. There's like 20 people in this room and it was a big executive presentation. Like it wasn't something I could sneak out of. Right. And I, I remember leaning over to my boss and saying, I have to go. And I have no idea what he said, but it wasn't nice. Like, I, I know there was something like, well, what are you doing there? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't listening. I got up and I walked out of the room. Everybody looked at me, right. You know, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I got up and I walked out of the room and, and then in the hallway, it's kind of like, it, it felt like escaping prison or something. <laughs> Like, oh my God, I got out, you know, I got out of my captor's office and, and I was in the hallway and now I'm trying to call him right now. I'm trying to call him. He wouldn't answer his phone. So I I'm texting him and he's sharing a little bit more in text. And, and all the while, I think I'm grabbing my purse and getting to my car. I don't really know. Cause I, it was just all happening so fast. I knew I needed to get to him mm-hmm. and I knew something was, was wrong. But in the, he did then respond in a text that he had taken. He, this is what he said. I took a bunch of pills and I was like, what did you take? Like, what, when did you take these things? All of these questions. And he's not equipped to be able to give me any of those answers. So here Nikki is a mother who knows 
her son is in trouble. She also knows she's going to be in trouble when she comes back to work and has to answer for this too, but she has no choice. She's rushing home. She does not live very close to the house. She gets her husband on the phone. She gets 911 called. They live in a small enough town. She knows the people that are going to be responding. But here's the thing. She wanted to get her son on the phone. She wanted to hear his voice so that she could be reassured that he was still awake that she could talk to him as she was en route to the house to reassure him she was coming and help was on the way. And I can't help but to think that probably both her son and Nikki were scared to death and she intuitively knew that they both needed to just be talking to each other while she was en route. Well, she did get a hold of him. He was not okay. She pulls up just behind the ambulance. And the long story short, her son had taken a lot of sleeping medication with the intention of committing suicide. His plan was to never wake up the next morning. And as you can imagine, as she peeled into that driveway, the first thing she had to do was immediately get to her son. He he just kind of like crumbled into my arms. And I remember like, he's heavy. <laughs> I remember being like, like, um, are we going to the ground here? Like what's, you know, just like, I need to like crush into mom. Mm-hmm. And he whispered in my ear that I'm so sorry. And I just was like, what? You know, just he was he was embarrassed. He 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 didn't he didn't share with anybody how he was really feeling. And you know, we had looking back like we had started to see some things. Like he was starting to retreat. We had gotten him in to see a therapist. We were talking to him every day, you know. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but feel like and I've released guilt. So don't like and like I've released some guilt from this. But there are there were that at that moment this like yes. All of this crap at where I was angry, really angry at my work at the time, mm. because I was like, I've been giving you all my energy and here's where my energy should have been. Yeah. Um, later, I was able to take some responsibility for that. But at the time I was just really angry. And my daughter, you know, she was in college, but she didn't live far, far away a few hours. Mm-hmm. So she actually drove home. She drove back um, to check with him. and. She had she had struggled with her with depression during high school. She wasn't ever suicidal, but you know she understood that darkness a little bit better than I did. Yeah, I never did. I I I've learned as much as I can about depression because I've never personally experienced it. Yeah, and um, like for myself, but through my children, they both struggled. Mm-hmm. And um, so she came into the hospital room. We were in the ED. She came into the hospital room and. That was heartbreaking. She cried, he cried, you know, they sit there and talk and they're very close. And, um, but later that night, once you're kind of past this initial crisis, right. Right. And you know, like the doctors had been in, they just, they, they, they didn't have to pump his stomach, um, which was good. They reviewed the medications. They did all the blood drug tests, everything. And they were able to say the things that he took is not going to have long-term physical impacts on his body. 
there's obviously a lot of psychology here that needs to be put into play and we need to understand what's really going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, and he slept and, and so that was fine. And then he slept and we were in the emergency room. Has anybody ever been in this emergency, in emergency room? Like it's not comfortable, right? Then no. these tiny little, little chairs hey. <laughs> yes, and these yep. narrow little beds. He was sleeping. Like he was so physically exhausted. It was later in the evening. Mm-hmm. I was sitting on this folding chair that was not comfortable and I'm sitting in the corner and I think I was in shock. Yeah. Like I think the whole day, like I, I don't think I cried much mm. until everything kind of, you know, I was in crisis mode. Right. Sure. But right. later that evening sitting in that hospital bed and, or sitting in the hospital room and he was sleeping and it's hard. Like as a mom too, he's my baby boy too. Right. Like there's, mm. and he was he looked so peaceful. Like he was finally resting. Like he hadn't rested in months and knowing what I know now he hadn't, he had been tormented um, with these thoughts for so long and never said a word to anybody, to anybody about them Yeah, and um, retreated into his room. And, you know, all of those things you worry about as a teenager anyway, like, is this normal teenage behavior or is it not? Right. So, um, there was a lot of feelings, lots yeah. of feels for me. Yeah. So Nikki and her family begin a journey of healing, of trying to understand what depression really is, of what suicide is, things that Nikki had not experienced before. This had not been part of her background. It's not something emotionally that she had suffered from in the past, but her children have. And Collectively, as a family, they begin a process of becoming very bonded, very open about this subject matter, and really began a process of healing. But here's the other thing that so often happens when tragedy strikes, it kind of causes us to reevaluate the other things that are going on in life. And Nikki was faced with that very same challenge. She realized and she knew when she came back to work, she had to make some serious changes, some big changes, drastic changes that were not easy. She had to set boundaries that she had not set before. And she began a journey in her professional career that looked very different than how she did before the incident with her son. That was the defining thing in my life that made me realize how much I wasn't, I was really unfulfilled in other parts of my life. Mm -hmm. And I felt so like, I I felt so guilty and like I'd let him down. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, I've released that guilt now. I I really, I, I do believe we do our best as parents Um, But where I really took responsibility after that um, was for me and my emotions and Mm -hmm. how was I being um, with my family and with my husband. And, Mm -hmm. and that meant for me um, had to make some changes at work. It meant a few years later, it meant putting down the wine. I don't drink wine at all anymore Mm because it, it was numbing those feelings for me. And then I couldn't deal it was just, it was just retreating. It wasn't really, it was self-medicating. It wasn't really helping me do anything that I needed to do. Right. Um, 
And on the other side of this, it's not like it wasn't, it was a very, very tough road and it will continue Mm -hmm. to be coming back to work. It was um, standards about that bully of a boss. Absolutely. Um, But it was more than that. It, you know, it was other coworkers, um, even my next level boss setting kind of expectations for them about Mm -hmm. what I was going to do and what I wasn't going to do without Mm -hmm. any guilt. So Mm -hmm. here's the thing I, prior to that, I would have said, you know, oh, I have to work 80 hours a week or, you know, or I've had, I had people say to me when I was out with Christopher, like within the first two weeks when he was in daily treatment stuff that I was taking him to, you know, (laughs) yeah. Um, I had people say, well, when are you coming back to work? You need to get back to work. This isn't healthy for you to not be at work. And I'm like, who the hell are you to know what's healthy for me? You know? And, and some people that I consider friends, right. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't know how to help me. Right. Right. And they just thought, just get back to work. So Nikki does go back to work and she does put, put boundaries in place and she changes a lot about how she worked with a very large team that she was in charge of. One of the things she did is she became very authentic. She told them what had happened in her life and with her son. And in the process of that, what she found is, is that her team grew very, very close. They worked together and collaborated very, very well. And she began to be sought out after from other executive teams who would bring her in and get her advice and her guidance. In the process of this, Nikki discovers a brand new part of who she is professionally and what she can bring to the table. Long story short, she discovers that she works very well with women and that she is very talented at helping them grow their skills and helping them to become the executive leaders that they wanted to be when you have an experience like that with your kid, right? Yes. Uh, Perspective. That's what you said. You're like, you see it differently. It's perspective. All of a sudden, I'm not so worried that you don't like what I'm going to say, because it doesn't really matter. Some of my regrets looking back is, you know, I I wish I would have been more there. And and I'm not, and I'm not guilting myself for that either. I'm recognizing my holistically, my life, I I needed to fix some things at my job so that I could have been there for my kids more. Like that's what really, that's what, when I did that, that's when things really started to open up for me too and really understand and take care of myself and the kids and yeah, the whole thing. Good for you and your husband and Chris and Mm -hmm. Gabby for coming together as a family and probably everybody readjusted their expectations. Everybody looked at their careers and their life and what they were doing and said, actually life is a little bit more um, shorter than we think. It's a little more precious than we think because it can be gone like that. And what am I doing with what we have? Right. How is every day counting? And so you, I just wanted to pause for a second and say to you and your whole family at the Espinosa household um, that you guys rose from the ashes. Mm -hmm. And that is remarkable. 
And that is also a testament to the parenting, though it may not have always been on the same page, but (laughs) people that you and your husband, Jeff, and the parents that you are, and the leadership that you had for your children. Um, That is huge. Not everybody, um, it's not that it's also glorious in the moment. I know it is not. But what I want moms and parents to hear in this Mm -hmm. is that you can have tragedy and you can choose that that tragedy is going to be the thing that turns you and steps you into a direction that is you never realized could be so good. Mm -hmm. And you guys did it. So not only did they do it, but they continue to do it. The reality is, is that when you have a child that struggles with depression, who's had a suicide attempt, that is an ongoing thing to manage and to navigate. And together as a family, that is exactly what they do. But Nikki also pivoted her career. She changed how she does everything. Because what she learned through this crisis in their family is that she needed to do something very different, something that did fill her tank, that did fill her cup. And she found it through Espinosa Coaching. What I do is I work with women who are at a point in their career where they're feeling that unfulfillment. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I do have clients that'll come to me because when they're unfulfilled, like we talked about, when you're unfulfilled in that career um, and then you got kids at home, teenagers, whatever, and you just can't balance it all and they feel really stuck. They're stuck. They're overwhelmed. There's a lot of emotions. You know, they're waking up at 3 a.m. because they're replaying all the stuff they need to do. All of those things are happening. Um, And most of them are really driven, career, ambitious kind of people that that 20 something in them, yes. you know, dreamt of this beautiful career. You know, that one that I was trying to build. And I <laughs> what happens is it's a more, I mean, it's always, it's just been a male dominated space um, mm-hmm. in a lot of those spaces mm-hmm. and what works for women and to encourage and really build leadership and um, you know, leadership skills in women, I believe is different than what works for men. Absolutely. And a lot of the things that are out there are geared towards a traditional leadership model. Well, that's all just teaching you tools. So what I do is I work with women who um, really want to get unstuck and they want to get that fulfillment and excitement again. And they feel a lot of doubt. Mm -hmm. They recognize that they're probably getting in their own way sometimes. Uh Feel themselves hesitating. You know, you're hesitating in a meeting to speak up or hesitating to make a decision because you don't have all the information or hesitating to take action because you're afraid of making a mistake. Yeah. Okay. You know, it, the, we've been kind of conditioned a little bit as women too in professional in our professional world to, we have to do everything perfect to get ahead. Mm. And it's quite the opposite. Mm. You have to do everything authentically, but with a backbone to get ahead. <laughs> And love it. these two things do not go together. So when you're teaching, you know, when you've been conditioned to do everything perfectly, that actually is counter to what you need because yes. that breeds doubt. Yeah. That breeds, you know, lack of confidence and you're worried about sure. making mistakes. It's the yep. opposite of the mindset you actually need to be successful in a professional world as a woman. 
And so while this story has a happy ending, I mean, Nikki's now fulfilled in her career. She left that job. She now runs her own business. She is able to give back to women to help build their skills, build their sense of hope and help them once again love their careers just as she has been able to do her own self. But it only happened because of tragedy, because of what it costs to be a parent, to be a mom specifically, but to lead her family, her and her husband together into a place where they do rise from the ashes. So, you know, I tell Christopher, I mean, as awful as the experiences were for all of us, yes. um, our family's really close. Better now than it ever was. Yes. Each other. Mm-hmm. My husband yeah. and I had to work through some really tough things and we're closer than we've ever been. 25 years of marriage. Yeah. And I found who I really am supposed to be in this world. You know, all of this really happened from a tragedy where yeah. we all got smacked between the eyeballs and went wake up and pay attention to what's important. And that's what, what you really need to kind of double down on. Right. Yes. So I started the business about a year ago. Mm-hmm. I left my corporate job last December, like ah, I left this corporate job. And most people thought I was absolutely insane to do that. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt more aligned in my entire life. My kids, this is the other thing, you know, kids are, they're older right now. Chris is almost 22 uh-huh. um, and now, and Gabby's 24. So they they look at me. My, my daughter was actually at my house last weekend, mm-hmm. and she was in my office. And my office is me now, right? It's just more me. It's yeah. different. I do something different um, than I ever did as a corporate employee. So I'm very much into my energies. I'm very much into serving other women and serving them well. And she's looking at my whiteboard and everything in there, my strategies, your post-it notes, you know, that kind of stuff. And she says to me, mom, I am so proud of you. And I was like, (laughs) and and Chris was here too. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of awesome, isn't it? And I'm like, oh, that's so great. But they, both of them were like, it's Mm -hmm. just so clear. This is what you're supposed to be doing. even in the hardest times there's I I wouldn't have sat there in my my son's hospital room that night and been able to think about like my marriage like that was not on my mind that my marriage could come out of the other side of this better like (laughs) no um just to to recognize that there's things that this is trying to teach me um and I do believe that too I believe that you know, no matter what you believe in that, you know, or who your God is or what you believe in, that there is, there's, that there's things that happened in my life. A lot of things that have happened in my life that were put there for a reason. Oh yeah. And at the time I did not want them. (laughs) And actually nobody does. Nobody ever wishes to learn things the hard way, the tragic way. But we do. We all have a choice. We have a choice what we're going to do with the circumstances that come into our lives and the things that happen to us and the things that happen to our children. And we get to decide what to make from it and with it. 
Nikki, thank you so much. Yes. I want to tell you that I truly appreciate your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. What we know more than anything is that when people hear our stories, when we are able and willing to be vulnerable and allow people to see into the places of our lives that have been very scary, that is very vulnerable, which by the way, we do have Chris's blessing. <laughs> we yes, have yes. shared <laughs> his story without um, his blessing. But um, to allow people into that place, mm -hmm. that moment sitting in a boardroom where your child is in crisis and he is overdosed and he is trying to take his life and you have as a mother and as a career executive are in a very tricky place and you've got to make a decision and you've got to make it now. Yep. And you knew there were going to be consequences when you came back to work and there were going to be some things said, but how you navigated that and to allow us to see some of the vulnerability of that, um, other people see their stories in it. And here's the beauty of why podcasting is so important is because by us sharing our stories, we free other people to somehow be brave enough to share their own, to yeah. say, I resonate with that. Uh -huh. Actually, that is one of my greatest fears too. Uh -huh. And I've had that moment or something along those lines. Yeah. And it gives them the confidence because they see the bravery that you have displayed. It gives them the confidence to also say, I can step into my own as well. And I don't have to have that be a secret. I can share my story too. And by sharing our stories one after another, the domino effect then takes place of where we can change, make change, lasting change and impact people's lives by sharing our stories. Yeah. It frees them to share theirs and to become more honest with their own. And that's how healing ripples into yeah. healing other people. So I, I really that. appreciate your willingness to do that. Appreciate oh, thank you, Jill. Today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. So there is my sweet friend, Nikki Espinosa. I hope her story has encouraged you today. And if you find yourself in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of some of the worst days of your life, what her story reminds us is that once you come through some of it, maybe not even all of it, you will be able to look back and see things from that perspective that you just don't see now. And for mothers, who this particularly is a difficult conversation to listen to because maybe your story didn't turn out the same. I want you to know that we are thinking about you also. And if you are a career woman who is struggling in your career right now and you are not in a good place, if you would like to contact Nikki, her information will be in the show notes and I can promise you this, the time you spend with her will be gold. Thank you for listening to the Uplift Effect podcast.